Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. That is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Some Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And with me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Uh, just the two of us this week. Uh, I believe Mike is out there being an uncle. I think his uh, he's got nephews and nieces. People are in family are in town. He's got stuff over there, so yeah. uh, he misses out on the UFC and Bellator talk and all that. But don't worry, I'm here for you, people. So today, June nineteenth. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's Juneteenth. It's an actual it's, holiday. It's an actual holiday. It's a it's Juneteenth National Independence Day. It's a federal holiday commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African Americans. Uh, but I, I, you also I, have a holiday I, too, right? I, well, I mean, <laughs> by, by the way, I feel uh, us not being African American. I don't know what the fuck Juneteenth was until like four years ago, five years ago at most. Maybe yeah, it was, it was Watchmen. Wasn't, wasn't it Watchmen that put a spotlight on that or Atlanta something? Atlanta did too, and I was just like, I mean, it was Atlanta. Yeah, and I was just like, all right. Right I'm on. with you. I was, I was, I was very ignorant. You know, yeah. I'm glad now we know. Well, in fairness, I mean, no one told us on some level. I didn't know. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never heard anybody celebrating either. In my defense, but it is Juneteenth, and also it is the anniversary of the first ever Garfield cartoon. So two. Okay, there we go. Big, <laughs> big, big days. Um, and on a Monday too. Yeesh. <laughs> I mean, true. Um, and uh, happy birthday to. NBA champion Dirk Nowitzki. Okay. Yeah, uh, you could have thrown yeah. a lot of NBA champions out there. I want to know who they were, oh, but I know who Dirk and, is. So and former league that. MVP right there, Dirk. We all love Dirk. And uh, happy birthday to current warrior Jordan Poole. Please don't suck this season. They're paying you $30 million. Um, Marcus. Mm-hmm. Bellator, UFC. Had a weekend, my friend. Uh, I think PFL yeah, and- had a car too. And Francis and... Yeah. Uh, Jones stare down at each other at that one. I, I heard. Yeah, I saw rumblings. Yeah, it's good. Nothing will ever happen. Um, or we'll see. Um, let's start with the UFC, my friend, because, you know, there was this fighter we used to know, the killer gorilla, Jared Cannonier. Yeah. And we hadn't seen him in a while, you know. I mean, we'd seen Juicy, we'd seen Jared, lowercase j, Jared Cannonier. <laughs> okay. yeah. We ain't seen Jared, the killer gorilla. My man, the killer gorilla was out Saturday night. He yes. beat Marvin Vittori's ass for four rounds. Some of those 10-8s, at least one 10-8, I think. On, on every scorecard, mm-hmm. I think at least one 10-8. What did we see from the probably number two or three ranked contender now after this one? Yeah, I mean, a, one of his best performances, at least to date, you know, outside of maybe some of those ones where he just starts the guy really quick. I mean, I, I would even say this is a better performance because the level of competition and, and the skills we saw him put on display, because uh, they had a really good fight. We were talking about it earlier today at the office. And, you know, if, if Vittori was able to mount more of an offense later on, like this could be in the realm of like fight of the year contender. Um, but it was it was a lot of one way traffic. Um. Vittori, you know, to his credit, 
did okay in that first round. I think he might have stolen it. He landed some pretty decent counter strikes. He had Jared kind of on wobbled legs a little bit, and Jared clocked him too in the first round. Um, but it was really that second round where Jared really put a beating on him, uh, hit him up standing. I think he even got him on the ground and was doing some really good ground and pound. He took him down a few uh, times, right? Also, like he, yeah, he I did think whatever like he overall, wanted. <laughs> yeah, Vittori, I think, got him down once. And I think Jared got him down like four out of five attempts um, to, to both factors. None of them were, were able to really hold the other guy down. But what I really liked about, I mean, one wasn't expecting Jared to be able to get those takedowns. And when he did, he wasn't able to really hold and maintain uh, Marvin down, except in that second round where he did put some really good ground and pound. But even in these, these short takedowns where Vittori was able to get back up, he made him pay. Like he would land a couple good hard shots on his way back up. And it's like, you know, in this new realm where it's more about doing damage than controlling, if you're going to get a takedown, scoring a couple good shots is like maybe the best you can ask for outside of like just holding the guy down and kind of stalling out around that way. Um, but yeah, no stalling in this fight. They went, it was five hard rounds. And Dude, again, I, to I was Jared's worried. I was worried he was going to gas. I think you're about to say it, but like I was just like the way he laid on Marvin in the second round, and as someone who had a, I mean, I picked the man, figured I bet on him too, had a small bet on Mister Cannonier. <laughs> I was thinking, man, Marvin Vittori's head is made of cement. Jared's going to gas himself throwing these punches in the second, and he's going to be screwed. No, man, that ass whooping continued. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last week's analysis from from both sides had some valid points. You know, I did pick Vittori. I thought maybe his wrestling would come into play a little bit more. He'd be able to maybe, and I and I and I thought the opposite, where maybe Jared would gas out and Vittori would be able to come in the later rounds. But you know, looking at Vittori's record and how little he's gotten stopped by strikes, I did think like, well. It's going to be tough for Cannoneer to get him out of there, even though he's extremely heavy-handed. And, you know, to Vittori's credit, he was able to hang tough. Um, and even in some of these rounds, like, I, I was kind of surprised in the third after the second round, he came out strong. Like, he knew he had to do something. It was really a, a deficiency in skill. Jared just showed such better shot selection. He showed a more wider range of tools, especially in the stand-up. Where Valtor, uh, Vittori has like he has a good left hand, like he's a good southpaw. He knows how to counter with it, but outside of that, he really wasn't able to do much. Jared dominated the pressure. He was constantly going forward and just giving him so many strikes to think about. He was attacking the legs, attacking the body, obviously going to the head. And with Vittori, he was really just trying to land that that left over and over. It just wasn't enough. But yeah, what what a great performance from Jared. Um, really kind of re-solidifies himself as a contender. Because um, like we talked about before, and like you're talking about lowercase Jared, um, the Izzy fight, I think, was very disappointing. And then even his last fight with Strickland, I think, was probably closer than what we would have thought. So this was a good performance for him, and I think it really kind of boosts him there. And, you know, 185 is tough, you know, because we have Whitaker and Chris coming up, and I think, you know, how that fight goes potentially i mean if chris beats whitaker right i think he obviously gets the shot because it's a fresh matchup for izzy um Drickus? that's a big ask hmm? yeah i mean izzy's praying for it he's not i i, I don't like that fight booking i don't get it i mean it's not well Drick, i think dude, he has is... no one to fight Drickus should be just exactly. getting a title shot what are we doing fucking uh, yeah the, the, this uncomfortable thing at least for me uncomfortable about what is or isn't a real african debate between Drickus and izzy so I yeah. I'm not going to say nothing at all on any it's, level. 
That will be a it's weird, but at least there's like Fuck some yeah, heat, fight, right? Man. Well, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like you could fight Whitaker again, but they've they've ran that back, and there's really not much. I mean, personally, there's well, the not. I mean, round, I, the second one was very close. It was close. It was close. I, I I do agree, but like I for me, it's just like he's already beaten him twice. I don't. There's not a lot of appeal there with I mean, Cannon Near. I mean, sorry, but like he is like on some level, we got to hang on to a shred of meritocracy, I guess. Eventually, he has right. to get I mean, shot. he's earned it. Yeah, he's absolutely earned it. There's no doubt there. Um, and with Cannon Near, you can kind of say like, well, Cannon Near really didn't show up for that first fight. If he fights this fight, you know, if he fights a rematch with Izzy like he did here, I think he gives himself a shot. Um, but at the same time, what makes me a little still concerned is like. Izzy, I do feel, is at the highest level of striking, and seeing Vittori be able to get some of these counter strikes off makes me think that Izzy's going to be able to expose some of those weaknesses in Jared that you know a guy like Vittori, who's mainly a wrestler, wasn't able to expose in this fight. But it would at least be a more compelling fight, and I have to imagine for Jared, too, he probably has that mentality of, like, I did not really go out there and show my true self in that fight and if i do i know i can win i'm sure he has that confidence in himself that he can perform a lot better than he did in that first fight um so that makes it a little interesting but again like it is a situation where izzy is kind of you know ran through this division and there's not ADP a lot of needs to win blood. man Drickus needs to win he needs to get it yeah. down here man izzy said he says i'm praying he says i am praying this man just wins and wins early so we can fight in september and i'm just like that'd be oh That'd be cool. That's <laughs> I'd be down fast with that. turnaround. He's like he's pretty much saying he's yeah. gonna knock the guy has to knock out Robert Whitaker in the first round. Which, I mean, I've seen Drickus fight. He's a good fighter. That's not. I mean, I'll just go ahead and if I can bet against that, I, I will bet against that exact yeah. thing. It's not happening. Um, Vittori's got a. I think Vittori leans too much on his wrestling, and I like look. I mean, the man's a top five fighter. Like it's got him this far, but he has no plan B, Mark. Like none. And I, he also needs, I mean, his defense was atrocious. Just putting that, I mean, uh, stand up in, in general. But like, he's got, I don't know, I, for a guy who's like, I think he needs to make adjustments now. I mean, he took that, he oh, took this yeah. as far as he's going to go. This is it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of amazing with, with his skill level. I mean, look, he is very tough. That can get you pretty far. He does have, he has a good left straight, right? He He, he has developed it. But yeah, it's kind of, I don't want to say amazing, but it's interesting to see how far he's climbed with the skill level he's gotten. But we're obviously seeing it plateau. Like we're seeing guys that are just more well-rounded, a lot more polished. He does need to I raise mean, his, his game. His path to the middleweight title also was a bit like, right? I mean, it was it was a lot of it was based on that he fought the middleweight champion once before, and it was close. Like he fought mm-hmm. Izzy in the first time it was close. I just he's only twenty nine years old too. There's plenty of time, yeah, like to do whatever he needs to do. Mm-hmm. But you're right. We need to see these improvements. If he's going to be able to stay at this level, um, he needs to improve because toughness is going to wear. And like, it does seem like this is a fight. Like I have to imagine this is going to diminish his ability to be in this game long term. If he has fights like this, where he's taking a lot of punishment again, he a ton of heart, you know, head full of granite, a really fun fight to watch because he was, you know, he never gave up on himself. He kept trying, um, but it's that level of skill that isn't quite there that is going to curtail him from being able to maintain in this high a position. So we'll see. He, 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 uh, he needs to improve. He has uh, now lost three of his last five. Those three are Izzy, yeah. uh, Bobby Knuckles, Robert Whitaker, and now uh, Jared Cannonier. Um, those three fights, 
he won one round. He, he mm-hmm. lost nine rounds. I mean, he lost ten rounds. He lost yeah, all five lot, to Izzy. He lost all three to Bobby Knuckles. He lost four. And I mean, despite what's the side note, Sal D'Amato. I wasn't gonna get into this, but my man is just handing out atrocious scorecards. I don't know how you score the fourth round for Vittori. What he just no. he didn't get a new traumatic brain injury in that round compared to the one before yeah. and after. <laughs> I mean, you showed me the scorecard, and I do remember mm. watching the fight. I, fight in the fifth. I think they showed the the strike totals for the, the whole card, mm. and the fourth round was closer. But Valtori still didn't have as many strikes, and I think that was one of the rounds where they both got a takedown, oh, and Jared landed some good strikes. I have strikes. the fourth round up, man. Well, let me see. Yeah, well, what is it? I think I think there was like a steady improvement. Like he looked like okay. from the third to the fourth, he did better, but he didn't win the round. Here's the thing: he landed more significant mm-hmm. strikes, okay, okay, than Jared did. But okay, that's not how this is. It's not a math thing. Like we all have eyes. He was getting hit harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I do remember seeing those numbers and being like, oh, I, and again, like in, in real time watching the fourth, I definitely didn't think he won because I do think Jared was, was landing the cleaner shots, right? Maybe the, the, the numbers were a little higher. Um, so I, I, don't, I, mean, I obviously don't agree in that round him, but, and control. I mean, yeah. I know control isn't worth anything anymore, but I think Vittori yeah. took him, but like he didn't land anything. He took him no, down. Jared he had, took him he down in him. the fourth round. They both. I think no, Vittori did nothing. Did. In the fourth he round. He didn't do okay. Like, yeah. even worse. That okay. was the third round. Okay. But no, um, third round. Okay. Yo, he's lo- he's won one round. Like against this yeah. is the, I mean, look, I know he fought Izzy another time. Shit, he only won round one round that time either. But like mm-hmm. this he's fought. This is three of the this is the top four. Uh, the top uh five right now. I was just had it up. Was um I mean top five plus Izzy was Izzy, uh then Pereira's not in their division, and then Whitaker yeah. lost all those rounds, mm-hmm. him. Then Jared Cannonier lost four of those five rounds. Like the guys he's beating up here are like Paulo Costa, number five. That's like it seems like the line here. And right. gotta make moves, man. And he's very look, looking like being mean and looking angry and like biting down your mouth card and being like a good wrestler for an for a European. You're right, Mark. You made it this far with swinging this thing, but like now we're here. Well, yeah. I mean, look, if he has championship aspirations, like there's a hump he needs to get over. Um, yeah. And we've obviously seen him tested and he hasn't been able to make it. So and it's a skill thing. It's all about skill. You know, it, there it's not about heart, determination, stamina. He has those things, but it is just being able to line up the shots, formulate a game plan that he's able to, you know, capitalize on and win rounds and win fights. Um, you know, I guess the the bottom top 10 he does okay against those guys but against these top elite guys like your Whitaker and obviously Izzy and now we know Jared you know I thought I thought I thought he might be able to do a little bit more with Jared I thought maybe the wrestling would, would come into play more but he really didn't utilize that skill set very often and when he was able to he wasn't able to keep Jared down so I mean that yeah. same skill set he couldn't get Bobby Knuckles down and he did he land right. one takedown on Izzy in that five rounder maybe I, Think maybe I'm not totally did sure, not. I remember yeah. it did not go well. Like he was, I spent a lot of time him pushing against the cage. I went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Armin Sarukian, um, Joaquin Silva. Yeah, we close very call. Much, we booked this one essentially for Armin to get it, the job done, and it, he did whatever he wanted. But for I don't even remember what the strike was because I, quite frankly, Matrai was on a mountain television during this fight. A lot of it. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But like we almost fucked around and had a minus thirteen hundred favorite go out for a moment. It looked like, but uh, yeah, he took care of business. Armin Petrosian took care of business. Pat Sabatini got a nice win. You don't see a lot of arm triangles. I've noticed as much as we used to. I felt there was a arm triangle at a real heyday, maybe like mm-hmm. around twenty early twenty tens. You know, it's a it's a low risk submission, yeah. right? It's a good top position submission where that if you kind of, I mean, maybe you, that's why we aren't seeing it as much. Not people are trying to get on top and hold position as much anymore. Yeah, because I mean, you could go for it and like not lose position, but if you really do go for it, you could they could squeeze out. But like, yeah, yeah, we don't see it in you know sweats also a Khabib, factor. And is that how Khabib got Gaethje? Oh, no, I, got, he, I thought it was a triangle. Honestly, the most when I think of arm triangle, I, it's weird to think about a submission and thinking about this guy as the first one. It's fucking Brock. Like, Brock putting the arm triangle in on uh, Shane Carwin. Like, he didn't even do it that okay. well. Like, he didn't even move all the way. He, like, he couldn't Big even... Shoulders, even like, he was, like, trying to... He really just Brock muscled it. But that's just the one I think of with arm triangle a lot with him. But I don't know. I like seeing that. Big win for Nicholas Dalby. I, I mean, as big as one could have in front of 42 people. Uh, and it's fight nobody watched, a fight card nobody watched, but um, UFC's in front of people next week uh, because I think they would have yep. had a riot on their hands if they tried to put Emmett and Tuporia in front of no people. It's like when they like fucked around and almost, they almost announced cups. <laughs> what was it? They announced like Marlon Vera and Sandhagen was almost going to be in front of nobody. And it was like, I wouldn't be surprised at this point, Bobby. They could put yeah. anyone in front of nobody. It's um, like they don't care. But I think, I think actually the biggest winner of this weekend. Close with Jared Cannonier. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's Sergio Pettis, man. Absolutely. I think Sergio yeah. Pettis. People, longtime listeners of this podcast, and look, I picked against him. This isn't me doing anything here, but like we all did. We <laughs> all did. Okay. But we all back and listen. I really thought more of him than I think a lot of people did, and I didn't really have a reason. But I thought thinking like, he's really young, man. He's really young. He's really technical. We might like something might happen here. Um and the UFC famously uh, forgot he, he was on the last fight of his contract when he beat Tyson Nam, and then they're like, "We try to book him another fight," and he's like, "I got no, I got no contract." Um, he's been yeah. in Bellator ever since. My dude lost back to back fights to Juicy Formiga and Rob Bont, and that it was in 2018, and he ain't lost a fight since. Six and zero at mm-hmm. that time. Marcus, he was he was fighting the greatest fighter in this promotion's history. Um, a man who was a top five featherweight for a fucking, what, eight years? Wasn't there probably, mm-hmm. you know? Patricio Pitbull, a man who held a 155-pound title as well. man who held a 145-pound right. title multiple times. A man, by the way, held a 155-pound title. There's this weird thing, by the way, and it's with the US, it's with the UFC, and it's the same with, like, WWE people where, like, fans where they're, like, it's like they're rooting for a promotion. Like, it's weird. Like, they're just, like, we're not willing to accept the abilities of anybody outside of the UFC octagon. So, like, I'm prefacing sure. by saying, like, hey, he knocked out Michael fucking Chandler to win that championship in a minute, by the right. way. Okay. I think it's easy in any promotion to to see one at the top and be like, well, they're the top promotion. They have the top talent. And that's not necessarily the case, especially with mixed martial arts. You look at guys over at one in PFL. I mean, shit, all these people had the same opinion about Strike Force, and then all of a sudden, every Absolutely. single title fight was a Strike Force, and half of them won belts. So, well, I mean, that's that's what makes yeah. when the organization does get bought or guys come over, you kind of see the cross pollination, and you can start to gauge the talent pools, right? Like Chandler came over to the UFC; he's done pretty well, um, and it kind of shows you, like, okay, yeah. these Bellator he's guys near the top. are Eddie Alvarez near the top, fucking right. Ben Askren, mm-hmm. land of winning ghosts. 
Hector Lombard almost did he got like a top he got Hector Lombard was fighting around the top five for a while there you know a little bit yeah, yeah. um anyway Patricio Pitbull man who held two different titles said I'm going to 135 I'm going for three uh, I'm going for three I'm going after Sergio Pettis you know there was a nice it actually worked out um oddly perfect Marcus because they had that Bellator Grand Prix tournament and Sergio was part of it but then Sergio got hurt it's why it'd been 18 mm -hmm. months since his last fight so they had the crown and you know an interim guy slash right. tournament winner in patchy mix well sergio's been healthy for a while for like six months now they're like well fuck it let's have him fight pit pitbull um marcus uh i know you didn't catch this one well, I don't think yeah i didn't see this yeah um, i didn't see any of pitbull for, unfortunately. might have won the first round a lot of a feeling out thing um mm -hmm. it did not it's I, it's hard to say like the weight cut affected him or or like you know man's 35 years old and you know mm -hmm. that and like yeah and you're used to him being the faster guy. Sergio was so much faster than him. Sergio right. didn't even. Sergio looked maybe bigger than him at times too. Like at some point mm -hmm. in the fight, weirdly enough, I was so impressed with him. I was so completely and thoroughly impressed with Sergio Pettis. Um, I think a lot of times, like we talk about this on this show a lot, where we peg a guy a certain a guy gets pegged a certain way, and it's hard for him to overcome the opinion you have of him. And for Sergio, it really felt like, oh, this is Anthony's less talented brother. This is Anthony's sure. brother who doesn't have power, right? Because he's still, I mean, the man's got like four knockouts and 15 decisions. But like he, you know, he doesn't do the, he, you know, he'll throw this, the spinning stuff, you know, not as much as Anthony, though he mm -hmm. threw some, he threw some wall shit in this one. Um, but like you know, people pegged him as a certain type of guy and he was a fucking child. Like he's only 29, like right now, he got into the UFC 10 years ago. Right. So like he, I remember like he like he was in like LFA and people were talking about him or RFA I think at the time was called. So this man, oh, I don't know. I think people who had this opinion of him when he left the UFC, just like oh, this is just the guy who the UFC's the uh, Anthony Pettis's brother who couldn't hack it. I hope he, I hope he got their attention because this was a excellent performance. He did whatever he wanted to do. He was going like in the fifth round where you'd expect Pitbull to be like, I got to put my fucking foot on the gas. Fucking Sergio was beating his ass. Um. <clears throat> Hit him with a good high kick early. I think it was in the second or third round. Went over the top of uh, his, guard. his guard. Got him mm -hmm. on top of the dome there. Um, he hit him with an Anderson Silva front kick. An early, another one where it looked like... Mm -hmm. I, for a second, I thought Pitbull was going to do the Chris Tucker thing in Rush Hour where he got kicks in the face and he goes, which one of y'all hit me? Because it looked like Pitbull mm -hmm. did not know <laughs> where that came from. Um, Pitbull was talking about going to 125 and going for that belt too. I mean, MMA gods heard that. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, he might have been getting a little ahead of himself. Because um, we did talk about it. you? <laughs> yeah, but we talked about it last week. I mean, I think a reason why we all picked him is, like, there was a lot of – he has a lot of momentum, right? Like, he was – he has been doing very well at um, featherweight and highly touted as, you know, one of Bellator's best talents and rightfully so with what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, Sergio – coming off a layoff. And I think was Sergio's last fight against Horiguchi. Yeah. And he was, I mean, you get that debate. People say maybe he wasn't, it wasn't going so well before he knocked him out. You know? it, it, right. So I think these all factor in, you know, he, he kind of, I think it was like in the fourth, he got a spinning back yep. fist that, that hurt Horiguchi and he was able to finish the fight and hey, kudos on him for doing that. But leading up to this fight, you did kind of feel like there was a lot of momentum going with Pitbull and, you know, he had his sights set on on multiple divisions, right? Like he was going to be the first guy to be uh, three division champion and potentially go for a fourth. But I did question, you know, when you're at those weight classes, 
10 pounds is significant, right? And it's it, oh, the so weight much. cut. So and, and like you said, the speed really factors in. And then, you know, it does seem like stylistically this didn't really match up. Sergio was able to get in and out with shots quicker than, than uh, Pipple was able to counter. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, this was a big win for Sergio because I think that for me, the Horaguchi fight was really big, too, because Horaguchi was kind of the monster after he left the UFC, um, you know, at that division was kind of like, well, he's the best guy outside of the UFC and he had proven himself he had gone to Ryzen he had asserted man, they really himself fucked around when well. they were like talking about killing this weight class in the UFC they really fucked around and let some dudes leave man like they really fucked yeah. around and let some really good guys leave good and, I mean good and like you promotions. said when you mm-hmm. when you look at Sergio like at the time when he lost against Rob Font and Formiga I mean Formiga we kind of knew was was a pretty highly touted talent Rob Font was kind of in the mix but I think you know Rob Font has shown himself to be of even higher caliber now than he was Absolutely. then. So you can kind of look back at it and be like, okay, this guy, you know, some of these guys were really top talent. And like you said, Sergio was very young. And sometimes having that change of pace where it's like, hey, I don't have to worry about this division going under. Bellator is invested in this. We're doing tournaments. We have a champion. You know, it's not like every time the champion fights, they're going to talk about folding the division. So the promoter's you know, like sometimes yelling just... at the champion for not def- selling enough fucking tickets. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe all those things really help. And, and again, it's just like coming into your own maturing. And I do also agree. Like, I think it is, it is tough for these younger brothers of star athletes to really solidify themselves as top talent, especially when the career might not be going as great as, you know, an Anthony Pettis or a Nick Diaz or a Fedor oh, Emilianico. Did, did you, you know, there's see... lots of smaller brothers who don't do as good. Did you see and Anthony Sergio Pettis' is... outfit, buddy? That's an important question. Did you see Anthony Pettis? Oh, I, I did not. I heard he won a bunch of money. Oh, my, he always bets so much money in his brother, which is so goddamn sweet, you know? But, like, fucking sunglasses indoors, like a okay. shirt that was like, gold, it was, like, gold and tan. And it was, like, you know, like The Rock used to dress back in 1999? Sure. Okay. That's yeah, basically yeah, sure. how Anthony was dressed. And I was like, fuck, right. yeah, Fair Anthony. Enough. He's got some My man drip, just I guess. beat Roy Jones. Did he beat Roy Jones? Or like, was it a draw in that fight? Or what happened? Oh, I can't. Might have been a draw. It was, he asserted himself very I well. Really I was gonna, impressed. I'm fucking feeling myself, man. <laughs> he might have won. I can't remember now if he won or not. And Shoot. I gotta look. We uh, yeah. I gotta look. But I forgot um, that was his last fight too, because I he went to the PFL and it has not been going well for him there. But he did have that boxing match. I mean, Whether man, he... like he's forty fights in. <laughs> this is just. I his, know. But, yeah. I mean, he's. But he's yeah. uh. Okay, I think he's. I mean, it's even. He fucking. He but he, my man just beat Roy Jones. Of course, right. I, okay. I, I wouldn't okay. wear a shirt. Fuck it. Like I might be Roy Jones. I don't care. <laughs> I um, think you retired him too. So yeah, that feather in the cap. So um, also on this card, I didn't mention the main event, but uh, Vadim Nemkov and Yoel Romero. Um, yeah. Look, uh, the, it was really funny when Yoel went full drunken master and was doing like acting yes, like he was doing. That's that. the clip I saw. That was that was good. And he did. There was a thing where, like, he hurt Vadim for a moment, and you're like, "Oh my god, this right. motherfucker's gonna pull this off." Um, the thing I just want to point out is people are like somehow saying, like, "Oh," and um, because he couldn't put away Romero, um, you know, mm, it's bullshit okay. that people consider Nemkov a top like three, four heavy light heavyweight. Okay, sure. Um, shut the fuck up, because the middleweight champion, who yep. some consider one of the greatest strikers this sport's ever seen. Didn't know what the fuck to do with Romero for five rounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we all thought he won. But when it went to the scorecard, all of us were just like, a lot of nothing happened in this fight too. Yeah. Romero <laughs> is a fucking, like, he's built like the thing. Like, it's yeah. just, he's a ball of muscle. Like, 
I, dude, like, you see the videos and, of him, like, just ankle-picking dudes and throwing them in the air? Like, come on, man. <laughs> well, and the thing, too, is, like, all these guys respect that power. Because yeah. if you don't, like, in this fight, he, I mean, look, he, and it's what makes watching some of his fights really frustrating is, like, you see this hulking beast, and it's like, you know he's capable of so much. But he can only he, – he's got like three explosions in a fight. You know, and he's yeah. got to pick those Kamehameha blasts real carefully. because like if he doesn't, years old too now. It's not I know. I mean, he's so fucking old. It's insane. But the thing is like if you don't – and like that's what makes it tough because he's, he's clowning around. He's not, It looks like he's not taking it serious. And there's been some fights where it's like he doesn't do anything in the whole fight. But it's like if you fuck up, if you don't take it seriously for one sec, he can clap do, the do win. Do you remember the uh, Bobby Knuckles – was it the they were both great but there was the one where bobby knuckles like bobby knuckles was the one who went into the fire with this motherfucker and there was a couple times in those fights like like uh you're gonna fuck around and lose your middleweight championship bro like you were getting smoked at some of these strikes yeah so it is one of these things where it's like man i wish he could push a pace a little bit more have a more active fight but it is one of these things like well he's just looking to capitalize on that one moment and sometimes it doesn't happen i thought nemkov did fine what do you want to fucking do he did yeah i mean he's got to win he's got to win around i think he broke his jaw maybe he was like an all fucking bloated and i don't Mm -hmm. know like fuck um nemkov is one of the best light heavyweights in the world none of you motherfuckers knew jamal hill was until like 20 minutes before he became the champion sure yeah what's going on there can we get yeah, a fight book? Is, fight. Is, are we just waiting for Yuri? If that's what we're headed towards, I'm cool with it. That sounds awesome. Yeah, there's. I thought there was some talk with some other guys, but nothing solidified as far do, as do I'm Do you think aware. they're waiting to see if uh, Bobby Knuckles beats Strickus and they're like, fuck it, Izzy, go fight Jamal Hill at 205? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that'd be interesting. That'd be compelling for sure. Marcus, uh, I had a little Bellator parlay, and it failed because yeah. of Pitbull, which is fine. Yeah. I like Sergio. It was like, you know, lost 20 bucks. But let me tell you, when you I was looking at Corey one. Anderson and Phil Davis, I was like, fight yep. will go to decision. Minus 400. Yeah, we're adding this. This is free money, that part. That, I didn't absolutely. remember what happened in this one. Don, all I remember looking at yeah. was that Phil Davis is like dreads or whatever. Not dreads. I don't know. Okay. One row dread type situation he had going on where I was like, you didn't have those last time. That was it. Um, Bellator, man, puts on like 30 fights. Just putting that out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. They have a lot of prelims, you know, we used to go, it used to be a lot of local talent and stuff, which makes it kind of fun. I mean, Hey, here's an organization that does not have an apex center, right? So they're, they're, they're going locally. San Jose or (laughs) the Mohegan Sun in San Jose. I mean, did you hear hear Scotty Coker make reference to the sale? Did you hear that? I mean, yeah, you told me about it. Yeah. That's Scotty Coker. They've been talking about it. PFL is a contender to buy our company. So I don't know. By the way, I, uh, I think Scott Coker has a value. I don't think he. Sure. I don't think he has any interest in working for anybody though. But who's actually like, like if PFL buys, PFL, yeah, yeah. If PFL buys Bellator, does Scott Coker get folded in, or he does he start Dude, another I, do you remember promotion? Him, like, I don't like, know. A year the UFC owned Strikeforce, and like they weren't like Dana White will never say a bad word about Scott Coker. If you notice that, he always is like mm-hmm. you know. But fucking immediately the UFC fired his kid. And like said, you work for Dana White now. Like Scott Coker had nothing to do for a year. Scott Coker wants to run his own shows. Like he's been doing it sure, since like yeah. locally in the Bay for. Doing I, this I do wonder, yeah, if if a PFL does buy Bellator, what happens to him, and if he does start another new promotion? Because it's not it's not an easy gig, and you know he's done it successfully. I mean, look at he did, you know, Strikeforce 
wasn't financially sound enough to maintain itself, but he was able to build something off of it, right? Could he do that again? Does he even have like the wherewithal? I mean, does he to have the value for them to, to be like? I mean, here's the thing: like one of the things he's always had is that he is Fedor's ear, but that does no value anymore. I was gonna say you can get him there. Oh, oh like, sure, yeah. I mean, it, it would be it would be a very Nganu different product. Hits Fedor's fat ass so hard. That's the fight: Fedor versus Nganu. Scotty Coker makes it happen in PFL. Man just dies. Ugh, he just turned. He might I just turn into mind. dust. He may not exist. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it'd be, it, that w- I I do think that'd be very interesting. We've talked about it on, in the past, like because the one thing I think the PFL really does lack is name value. And you can look at some of the name value that Bellator has and be like, well, there are a lot of washed up UFC guys, but you get those guys that people know into the PFL. You have some of the PFL athletes beat those guys it gives them validity kind of like we were talking about before it's hard to gauge the talent when you're in your own little pool but then you have some crossover and it's like oh well here comes ryan bader and this guy from pfl beat him and this other guy from pfl beat him so then you start building these storylines of like okay where where really is the talent line in this division outside of just looking at the fights themselves which can be hard to judge right because they're in their own little uh you know kiddie pool I think but, Bellator, uh, that'd be interesting. I think Bellator's next big one is the Bellator versus Ryden Ryzen two event at the end of July, which okay, has got like uh, the round one of the Grand Prix, the fucking lightweight Grand Prix Bellator's put together, which their obvious goal is to end with um, AJ or something. Uh, AJ no, and know. Usman on both Usman and Mirkabenov okay. on Oof. each side, because uh, AJ they're they're on they're they're on, they're on opposite sides of the bracket. Usman smoked right. Bendo, just smoked him. Uh, that card's pretty pretty good, actually. He's also going to crown their first flyweight champion. Horiguchi is going to fight uh, mm-hmm. Makato Shinryu, which I'd be lying if I was super familiar with him. I told you that. Yeah, I'm not either. Um, Koreshkov versus Lorenz Larkin. That sounds like a fucking good stand-up fight, <laughs> yeah. man. I mm-hmm. like Koreshkov. I, I don't know if his... I mean, it's weird to say this about a guy who's... I don't even think he's that old. He's 32, but his like, best days behind him. I remember him losing to like fucking Ben Askren 10 years ago. You know, that's this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, some... Um, and then we got some news to talk about first before we can go make our picks for next week. Yes, sir. I think, I think I just saw it. Henry Cejudo against Chito Vera. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I don't hate that. That's an interesting fight. <laughs> I don't know. Dana White says that uh, contracts have not been signed. Okay. But verbal agreements are in place for both sides. Okay. I appreciate the right. junkie telling me that because if not, I'd be like, did anybody tell the fighters yet? That this fight's happening. <laughs> That's how this operates now. Um, and then you get a Lambo, baby. What the fuck was that? We're like, he Dana White realized he was being so shitty to Aljamain Sterling. He bought him a six hundred fifty thousand dollar car. I mean, it definitely seemed like Sterling's like, yo, which, dude, you which cannot shady push drug, me which around. Shady ass person gave Dana White his that Lambo that he's. That's all. I, I was thinking this is definitely one of his, right? Like he didn't just like look. If you're a fighter, like, hey, a Lamborghini, hey, nice car, but like half a mil. Is like I might want the cash, you know. Like you, I, I might be. I want invest a little bit. Um, do you think uh, fucking you know? Because his his teammate Alejandro Ally Quinta is a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Man understands the, what to invest in. It was real property. Do you think he saw this and was just like Aljo, you fucking idiot? Even if he offered what? you a five, I'd rather take the five hundred fifty. Like how about a five hundred fifty thousand in cash rather than a six hundred fifty? Oh, I don't. Car? I don't know if there was an offer as much as it's like he threw the, the the kid the keys and he's like, there you go, Bucko. And it's like, yeah, the car was worth you know six hundred thousand dollars, but now it has you know thirty eight thousand miles on it and it's worth like you know 
three hundred thousand dollars. I don't, I don't no idea, but but an interesting story. You know, it definitely seems like Sterling's always been a champion who's been very outspoken about wanting to dictate when and how he, he makes so and... many good points. They had nothing to say. Remember that article? He literally went down the line. Right. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, just say the words. Like, what is wrong with what I've done in any of these things? Like, I think they yeah. realize, like, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, you got a new car. Good for him, man. I mean, cruise it around, you know. Um, but, yeah, maybe the cash value would have been more appealing. But, you know, whatever. Fancy I, cars are nice. I think we need to sit here, by the way, now. Uh, we saw. I think you saw this news. I think you did. A few. It was like a week ago. Maybe less than a week ago. Corey okay. Sandhagen. Corey Sandhagen right. is going to take on Umar Nurmagomedov. Ooh, okay. That is a, a tough one. Dangerous ass fight for a guy who's ranked yeah. number four. Yeah, um, Corey's been. I mean, Corey's balls gotta, are so big. I don't know how he gets inside yes. of fucking cars. Okay, like it's just. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's really. I mean, there's a lot of fighters that say you know anyone, anytime, anywhere, but like he he's put up. Dude like, is bout it, bout it, bro. Like to put it in nineties yeah. parlance, like. Was, <laughs> and it's not like you know, it's not like every these risks have always paid off for him, right? Like his career had a really high trajectory. He's had some stumbles, but like he's getting in there and he's, he's risking it and you got to give him nothing but mad respect. And this is another one that like on paper is a and Dana really White was talking about how hard it is to get this motherfucker a fight. And I can say motherfucker because Dana mm-hmm. White probably said motherfucker when he described it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, he says like, no one else, he, like, he probably said it like this, man, nobody wants to fight the kid. You know, a lot, some people say, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, will fight anyone, but Corey Sandhagen, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, yeah. he does. He's a company man, and that doesn't mean shit besides they're going to chew you up and spit you out. you got to watch the video of this. I'm not going to do it justice here with my reading of the transcript of what Corey Sandhagen says when he does the video. He says, I'm getting a lot of haters uh, saying, why would you fight this far down in the rankings? He's going to beat my ass, blah, 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 blah. Two reasons. One, Umar is a great fighter, and I'm not trying to be world champ if I'm not the actual best in the entire world. So fighting Umar is a great challenge, and I accept it. And number two... I'm a beast, bitch. That's why. Peace. I'll see you guys in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Corey I mean, Sandhagen is yeah. my guy, man. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, win, lose, or draw, he always comes out to fight. He always puts on a great performance. And, and again, like, he's taking on all comers, and you have to respect it. Um, and, and to the point, too, like, I think that's, you know, look at as a financial decision as a career, maybe not the smartest move, but as, like, an athlete who is trying to prove himself as the best, it's like, yeah, who – if there's a hot prospect that everyone thinks is going to be the champion in, you know, a couple years time, like, what oh, am I going to duck this guy? And he's going to get like potentially even better. Or like, do I just, you know, face that challenge head on and potentially, you know, to his, you know, he might be able to catch him early where, you know, the guy's still developing, you know, he is a fairly young fighter. He hasn't fought in a lot of the higher echelon competition. So Corey Sanhagen might be able to, get in there and get a nice win, you know, and then if Usman does rattle up a bunch of ones, it's like, Hey, he's always going to have that feather in his cap. There'll be a lot of interest in a rematch. Yada, yada, yada. But yeah, nothing but mad respect for Corey. So go get it, bro. Um, yeah. Uh, some other stuff. I saw Jamal Hill and Corey Anderson going back and forth. I don't understand how Corey Anderson has decided he's the best light heavyweight in the world. He's not, he, he, I mean, he lose a bunch of times, get your belt, get your belt in your you organization. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Bigfoot Silva retired like a little bit over a week ago and <laughs> I, like, we didn't mention it on the podcast and I remember thinking like, I, hey, we should have said something like, I mean, like, like it's just, it felt like he's been like fighting about yeah, seven years too around. long, but yeah. you know, Big, Bigfoot gave us maybe the most entertaining MMA heavyweight fight ever when he fought Mark. Hunt. Sure. He like, put, he put some stomping. So I was like, man, we probably should sure. mention it retired. 
Well, don't worry, man. He's back. Eight days after announcing his retirement, he's unretired. He wants to run it back. Yeah. Um, Man, it's not okay. Come on, man. You know Bigfoot Silva? You listen to this podcast? You probably would have told him we said not nice things. I was going to say, maybe tell him he should retire. He's just had a lot of tough fights. You know, I think I think he was doing kickboxing for a while. And it's just like you start getting into that road where it's like he's not even able to utilize some of his best skills. It's just like, come on, you know, um, he also like of all the a lot of damage. TRT, he needed it because of like his like pituitary. He's got giantism. Or, he's got that whole thing. Yeah. Dudes were breaking their fist on his big bony skull because he's just like a ginormous dude. But, you know, you just you just hope that he's he is able to, you know, call it a rest without permanently you know getting hurt because it, it, it sometimes his fights do remind me a little bit of a gary goodridge where it's just like he's not he's not putting himself best foot forward he's he's getting over in over his head uh, but i haven't watched a lot of his recent stuff so maybe he's been able to defend himself a little bit better but you do get concerned after a while so you just you just hope if he does come back he'd be able to finally lay his career down and be able to have you know a peaceful restful rest of his life you know with you know as, as much mobility and functionality that he could muster um so uh we didn't talk about it because i don't know if it happened in the middle of this two weeks or not the conor mcgregor thing um boy there's more conor mcgregor thing (laughs) well the whole thing where he's getting accused look you know what we're not gonna talk about it we're just gonna i'm gonna say something that's not gonna be put in context well or whatever it's a lot happening in that story man every two days there's a new video of these people hanging out just you know they were at the basketball court. Then they were at the club afterwards together. What the fuck? I don't. Maybe we all wait it's for just... the court of pub, the court of law to tell me what happened here. Is what I'm gonna do. And this is not. He... Did he get married? He has a he has a kid has a partner, with another but... woman. You know, people, man, they have like might have. Open I mean, thing. Not look, I, hey, whatever, whatever your relationship is, but it is just like at some point, it's just like with Connor. It's like, can't you just like not get in trouble? <laughs> can't you just like? Play it by the book. Can't you just enjoy the money and the fame and not have to like get in all these controversies? But you know, so is life. You know, when you when you get to that higher profile, your world's just completely different than something that I can even like start to imagine. So like on the outside looking in, it's kind of frustrating to be like, you're, I respect that he still has this drive to be in the fight game because he easily could have just walked away. Um, but he wants to be. You know, you can you can tell he has a passion for the the fight game, and I haven't watching tough or anything, but you can I, I get that feeling that he's he really loves the sport. Um, it's just all this bullshit outside of it. It just sucks when like these guys can't control their lives, and I it, it, in this situation is very iffy. We'll wait for the weeks to come and see how it all yeah, you I, know I, I, comes I, out. But it's it's a very interesting situation. A lot of videotape. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's time to make some picks. I'm trying to think what else even happened. Yeah, I no, mean, we're good. We got a couple. We got a couple fights this week. I, a really good main main card fight. I mean, the main, main event. event fight. Well, yeah, okay, main event. <laughs> what is, this is like? This card's not. I mean, this looks like a a, 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 a apex card. Let me just say that. Yeah. I think it's um, of that caliber. <laughs> I felt you were real rude when you said Neil Magny belonged on the prelims of this thing, but I'm looking at you. There's no way he does because you don't know what those two guys are on the Wikipedia pages. Um, also, I mean, like, okay. why is like Justin Taffa down there? Like, I know Justin. Justin Taffa's a like fucking it's fireworks. You want people to see that? Like, 
Mm-hmm. It's ESPN Plus, I guess. Whatever. Put it in front of people. Don't put it in front of people. It's in Florida. It, this is ABC. The main. It's on ABC? Yes, this is what, this is this is what ABC happens card. when the NBA Finals are over and fucking hockey <laughs> is over. On. And hey, nobody need, watches baseball content, this early because baseball's got another four fucking months. Yeah, this is it. They're going to gonna do great ratings. <laughs> like I said, good main event. Good. This is a good main event, yeah, but the rest of the cards uh, kind of Let's war. talk about it. Josh Emmett, Ilya Tupuria. When they fought and announced this fight, we all immediately said, fuck yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. fuck yeah. Um, this podcast, big fan of both of these guys, I think, honestly, Mark. Oh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. we've all been waving the Josh Emmett flag more than most places. Seems like a lot of people... Uh, he, he got that big win years ago when he knocked out uh, Ricardo Lamas. And nobody knew who the fuck mm-hmm. he was. Then he immediately lost to Jeremy Stevens, and then nobody gave him any credit again for anything. But then he won five straight, fought for a title, and just right. came off of that. Lost in the second round. So uh, yeah. our memory of that fight was accurate. Feeling out, then it goes bad. Um, mm-hmm. Ilya Taporia is a guy that uh, I think we all got on the train. Um, yeah. Around probably when, when he folded uh, Jai Herbert like a lawn chair, and then leading up to that Bryce Mitchell fight, where... We all looked at the way Bryce Mitchell fights and watched the way this guy fights, and we all looked at the betting lines and said, the, uh, no one saw this guy fight. And then he killed Bryce Mitchell. Like, that wasn't close. It was an eight-minute ass-whooping. So mm-hmm. much so, Mark, that he is a wild favorite in this fight. Yeah, kind of surprising. Um, I, did some, I did some analysis earlier today, you know, broke it down, how in every one of Josh Emmett's fights, when the betting line comes out, everybody puts a lot of money on his opponent. Doesn't matter if Josh is the favorite or the underdog. The line moves towards his opponent. Josh opened at minus 200 at this one. I'm sorry, Josh. Iliam opened at minus 200. Ended up around minus three, I think, is what I mm-hmm. see. Uh, depending on where I look. Um, which is, yeah, minus 330. Jesus Christ. Um, Mike's got uh, Ilya. I think this fight should be like, a, I think minus 200 was appropriate, actually. Like, if that, because like, I don't know, man, the way both these guys fight, Mark, like, because I've seen both of them throw and I've seen both of them get hit. Um, anybody hits anybody is, becomes a very different fight once someone, someone clips something. I'm going with Ilya <laughs> because I think out of the two of them, he's a little bit more refined, a little bit more of a sniper with his things. Josh is throwing big heat. Big clubbing, you know, he throw the big out the big team alpha male overhand right. You know, he's got that. That every day that gives you when you get to the gym that day and you fill out the paperwork. They say, Here's your big right hand. We'll give you the guillotine later. Mm-hmm. Um I go with Ilya, man. Um I got Ilya, it's the same as Mike. I'm by the way, I'm one back or two back still. Uh yeah, let me see. You are we're tied and we're both two back from Mike. We're two back? Yeah, um, you were one back on me, so you gained one on me last week because I got two wrong. You got one okay, wrong. We gotta make some moves, um, buddy. Well, here's your move. Yeah, so we're <laughs> we're a little behind, and and we're both behind chalk. Yeah. So, um, um, I'm gonna go with Emmett. I mean, on paper, I I think Ilya is a good. What I like about Ilya is that I think his offense is a little bit more varied. Like you said, Emmett is a little bit more of a headhunter. Um, Ilya rips to the body, and I think that is a good strategy potentially here now. If he can get to the body and not get caught, then I think he's going to have a really good shot because his liver punch is fucking amazing. I really love his work to the body, especially to the liver. He's gotten a lot of finishes to the liver. The only 
potential issue there is that if Emmett can catch him coming into the body and catch him with a good, I mean, the thing is like the power's there for both guys. So that, that's what makes this fight so exciting is like, these are two heavy handed guys that get in the pocket and throw down. So win, lose or draw, this one should be really good. Um, but I'm going to go with Emmett and it's a little bit more of the resume. Um, Ilya has asserted himself extremely well in the UFC. He's fought in some tough guys. But he hasn't really, in my eyes, fought in like the upper echelon of guys. Like when you look at a uh, Bryce Mitchell or um, Jay Herbert, who I think are maybe some of his Ryan Hall. I think stylistically is an interesting matchup. But outside of that, he hasn't really fought like the top guys in my eyes. So it is just kind of this is a, a little bit of you know just to see if he can hang with the top dogs. And I think Emmett is a stylistically extremely good match for him because they're going to fight fire with fire. And I think he potentially could outblast him where if he had more of like a technical guy, it might be a little bit more challenging. If he had someone that maybe could utilize grappling a little bit better, which Emmett, these guys are both good grapplers. So I think that kind of neutralize each other and we are just going to see a barn burner. So, you know, I like Ilya's, variation of strikes again going to the body i think could be key here that 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 really if he wins i think it's going to be because he's successful going to the body they're both pretty um, short in but, this weight class right also i don't think i think so fat yeah tall. i think Ilya's says five eight i don't think emma's bigger than that either yeah so yeah, i mean five six is Ilya's bigger than him too okay yeah i mean at the because Ilya did go up to 55 as well so you know he can yeah, kind Emmett of is, hang with Emmett's real thick like wide like yeah so, I mean, I, I think it, this is just a really fun matchup. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a tough fight to pick just because they're both heavy-handed. But, you know, I, I, I do think there's dude, some he's spike. He's 18-3. and three. People don't give Josh Emmett any credit, man. I know I pick against him here, but, like, literally, like, I told you, like, this is this line is wild to me. Oh, I think that Rodriguez fight, he he got exposed. But, like, when you look at Rodriguez, like, that's a different beast. Dude, that guy was he's so pulling good. off angles and... Yeah, I, th- I think Yair has really come into his own in his last couple of fights, and that was a showcase fight for him. Um, and, I, and I think that definitely took some of the luster off of um, a Josh Emmett. But, you know, we've seen Emmett in there with good strikers, but these other strikers that, you know, that he did well against with uh, Cater and Dan Ige, Shan Burgos, I do think they're a little bit more technical and maybe not as powerful as Ilya. And then you look at some of the powerful guys he fought, like Jeremy Stevens, who has a lot of, of power, and he was able to get him out of there. So it's a, it's a fun matchup at the end of the day. Win, lose, or draw. Just, if I lose another if, one, if he, hey, I'm going to be happy. If Ilya beats him the way Ilya beats people, like... He's right up just there, Just give dude. him a fucking title Has shot. To. What are we doing? Like, who's out? Okay. Also, like, yeah, Yair is... It's interesting saying that. I don't think people give Yair enough credit either. I think Yair has gotten so good. Like, Yair, yeah. like, that's another. We'll talk about it in a few weeks. And I know why Alex Volkanovsky is the favorite that he is. He, Absolutely, yeah. He, he, I've never seen a man lose a fight and win so much at the end of it, that fight with Islam. Mm-hmm. But, like, Yair could win that fight. Like, I would, like, Yair is awesome. And, yeah, man, sometimes you get to a title fight, you get your ass whooped. It doesn't mean you're not good. And, like, if Ilya beats him, if Ilya beats him and then uh, Volko is out there and wins against Yair, like, I mean, it's probably Arnold Allen who deserves it, if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What, isn't Arnold well, fighting Max? Isn't that soon? Oh, he lost to Max. Never mind. He, already he lost, lost to Max, Max. yeah. Really yeah, that's yeah, right. That's he right. I was like, fight. Give him a title shot. If he smokes I mean, Josh Emmett, give him a title shot. <laughs> we, I mean, 145... You know, Volk is starting to run that same risk where he's kind of fought in a lot of these guys. So having the fresh matchup. Yair's the next. He hasn't fought Yair yet. Yes. And that's going to be fun. That's going to be great. Max's ass 
the last time he I, did I don't Max, need to like see he Max. robbed him. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Brian Ortega. Oh my God, he kicked the shit out of Brian Ortega. Right. But um, Arnold Allen, big Arnold Allen flying over here. He needs heat. He went for he it. He win. lost to Max. Yeah. You give yeah. him, you know, give him, a, give him another top five guy. He can get a title shot. Then Emmett. Here you go. Cater. Yeah. Cater's great. Zombie. Yeah. I mean, he's I mean, not. Yeah. Cater's not getting a title shot. Like. No. Zombie yeah. already got so, his ass beat. Yeah, and Toria. So yeah, he wins. Honestly, he wins. He's getting a title shot. Let's just say it. Yeah. Why not? Hell, if he loses, I don't know who's gonna get a title shot. Mike Arnold Allen might get a title shot coming off a loss. <laughs> no, come, they got to figure something out. Um, this next one here, Amanda Hebas, Macy Barber. Um, mm-hmm. Mike's taking Macy Barber. I decided I was gonna pick whoever Mike didn't pick in this one. Okay. To be honest. <laughs> okay. Also, like I thought, Macy Barber has a really good chance of. Fuck, I don't want to pick against Macy Barber. I'm the only one picking her to win all these other fights. God damn it. Who, who you take? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm also taking Barber, but it's tough. Yeah, um, fuck it. I'll know. take Hebus then. Yeah. Okay. This is a, I, so think, I, do I think, think it's a very close fight. I do too. Um, Barber has made some interesting adjustments, right, since going to Alpha Male. I think she has become a little bit more tactical, especially with the wrestling, mm-hmm. right? She's using a lot more clinch. She's able to solidify wins a little bit with less risk and because I, I feel like you know when she really came out it was like she's heavy-handed she's a good boxer she can really throw a lot of power for this division and you know she obviously had the big upset against roxy and then lost to alexa grasso after that now that grasso fight in the time didn't kind of seem like a little bit of a warning because alexa wasn't quite where she is now as the fucking champion mm-hmm. so now that loss i think looks a little bit better so she's strung you know four wins in a row but her last fight was a split right and that's kind of where this new strategy does get a little dangerous because i don't think she's putting as much damage on her opponents as she used to and it's almost like she's kind of fighting in the old grading style where she's doing more control she's using her wrestling better but not getting as much damage off and that potentially could be dangerous here with rebuzz um you know i do think it's a it's an interesting fight um but i I think it's it's been a smart adjustment, so she's not taking as many risks, but she still needs to find those moments in the rounds to do the damage and, and, and make sure that she she's solidifying the round because now just holding up against the cage isn't enough anymore. Yeah, um, the, I think I think the line is also she's a oh, we didn't say the line she's an underdog, not a huge one. Um, where'd it go? Uh, minus two ten plus one sixty five. I think the fact that a lot of people didn't think she won that last fight. Like, that last fight she had with... um, Yeah, it was a split. And I, I kind of remember, too, like, she kind of, with, yeah, snuck yeah. by. I just don't like Andrea Lee. So I was pretty okay with it. Um, it's just a side note there. Um, but she's won four straight, man. Man, tore her shit up. Tore her knee up, came back, lost to the girls' champion now. Has won four straight. She's still 25. Mm-hmm. She's got a bright future still, I think, man. And, yeah, uh, I, and, and, again, I, and like, I think we all like Amanda Hebus too. Um, she's also young here. Amanda's getting hit a lot, man. I do not feel comfortable in this. Yeah, but like, but like I was saying, like it, it's nice to see that uh, Macy went to Alpha Male, and her her fight strategy has changed. Like she's developed new skills. She's gotten better at wrestling. It's like you do want to see more development. You don't want her just to become like someone who's stalling out and just you know winning rounds by control 
But it is nice to see that like she had more to her than just trying to go out there and get the knockout. So it's, it's showing some maturity and some growth. So that's good. Man, I uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, would you say you're surprised that Team Alpha? Because Team Alpha males really got their like shit together. Like, are you? Would yeah. you say you're surprised? I don't think I'm surprised. But like at the same time, like I don't know, man. We all saw Uriah, Chad, Joseph, like. We thought that was it. Like, that was the guys. And they're all like, I mean, your eyes. There. Yeah. No we fighting. saw a generation of like fantastic athletes who obviously were putting in the time and they all just kind of fell a little short. You know, obviously Cody got the belt. TJ got a belt. So it's not like they were devoid of champions coming out of there, but it did seem like some of their best guys just like it wasn't coming together. Now they have a whole new fresh batch of Chinese fighters coming through Macy Barber. I need and that explained to me, bro. The whole like team alpha male. Like China know, connection, I mean, like he's got, dude. Song Yadong's gonna be like he already is good. Song's like twenty five, right. right, or some shit like that. It's yeah, wild. I mean that's the thing. That a lot of these guys are really young, and they're gonna continue to mature and grow. And but we'll have to see, right? Like we, they have a lot of interesting prospects right now. They're not carrying a lot of gold, as I recall. Yeah. So we'll see if they can, you know, formulate that. I mean, they got that. a whole I mean, bunch they... of. Uh, everybody's really young. All these yeah, people. They, they have time they got to a, grow. They got a they lot of like, time to grow. I mean, they got a couple of vets. I don't know if Darren Elkins still hangs out there, but Darren Elkins is probably fighting in the PFL yeah, or I'm something. Yeah, I'm totally sure. But I like how they're all like, all the coaches, man, they're like, well, Uriah's coaching, and then uh, Holdsworth, the one who TJ gave a concussion to in practice. Yeah. Sparring for some reason. Do you, I, like, you, get, you get a strong sense of like, familiar ties i mean i, I think it's because like didn't uriah buy out like a street in sacramento where they yeah. all live and stuff and and i is someone that you know we went to school in sacramento yeah. like it was their town right like ultimate fitness was a big staple when it finally moved into sacramento and it you know they had all these WBC i mean see cards at this Arco is also this, and, he's the reason i'm not he's not the only reason he's a large part of them getting these weight classes the ufc I mean, it was on the oh, back absolutely. of his efforts mostly and his Alvin, star power yeah. from WC. Yeah, yeah. So but I mean, it's good to see, man. They got all, I mean, Danny Castillo's coaching there still. They all got the, all the two teams there, man. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of the, jobs, a lot man. Of the talent. Yeah. A lot of the talent that you know gets out of the fight game, you know, stays there to keep training, and and it's it's showing. You know, the fruits of the labor is definitely showing. So yeah, yeah. Good on um, that. Yeah, the rest of this card, I don't understand what I'm supposed to take serious and not take serious here. Um, Brandon Allen and Bruno Silva. That's a little interesting, to be honest. Uh, the curtain jerking right mm -hmm. there. Uh, Brandon Allen, he tapped out Andre Muniz, so everybody's really feeling him these days because that was yeah, that was cool, that wild. was impressive. And um, Bruno, and Bruno uh, didn't didn't he go the distance with Izzy or Alex? One, was it the, Alex? He's the only one to go the distance with fucking Pereira in the UFC right, yeah. so far. Like he went the distance, and um, so interesting stylistic matchup there. He just smoked. Uh, he just smoked Brad Tavares. So. Right. That's a good fight. I, I, this guy. I'm annoyed that Neil Magny's on the prelims, but I've not made that <laughs> I clear know, already. It so. I mean, he is the main event of the prelims yeah, on ESPN you, going into ABC. Is? Oh, it's on. Is on a regular ESPN. I feel better if it's on ESPN. It, the primary card, at least here on Wiki, says ESPN, ESPN Plus. So they're they're like leading into it a little he, bit. Did he so. take on Gilbert? Did he call out Gilbert Burns as the only guy willing to fight Gilbert Burns? I mean, it didn't go. Yeah, well. but everyone knew he was going to get smoked. He lost, I mean, he's got a truck. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean you got to go down. Who is he fighting? This guy's Philip name is, Rowe? This guy's thirty two years old. I don't. I don't know this. I don't get this fight. This guy also <laughs> has missed yeah. weight in two of his three fights. Last three fights at his weight class. So. Right. Um, Austin Lane, Justin Taffa. Justin Taffa's here to knock motherfuckers out in the first round or lose three round decisions, Mark. 
Like, I, okay. if I could pick Justin Taffa by first round knockout or the other guy by three round decision, that whole bet, that is my bet. Okay, that is what's happening. Um, Randy Brown, uh, early Dana White looking for a fight guy. Um, right. He's on a bit of a run, man, before he lost to uh, Jack Della Maddalena there. But he's bouncing back now. He's going to face Wellington Terman, uh, another guy trying to bounce back after a tough loss. Very young, very talented young man there in Terman. Um, see where mm-hmm. that goes. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, this is on ABC, and fucking, man, there's nothing. There's nothing on TV sports-wise, man. People watching golf, no, trying go. to get me to watch golf. I just I can't do that. I was watching eSports, you know? There you I, go. Sure. I, you know why? Because it's, like they, they, it's on Twitch, so they're like, they use like the fucking API or the embed the fucking video in the betting app. So I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. there's there me losing money right there. Uh, this 16-year-old can't shoot in this, this machine gun in Call of Duty. Oh, no. Um, all right. Um, yeah, nothing from Bellator or uh, PFL's got their season going. Um we're still pretty early on. I saw that um, the young lady who beat Kayla Harrison, Pacheco. Pacheco right, iced somebody in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think OA, OAM is fighting. Olivier Aubin Mercier is fighting this weekend. Um, okay. One of my favorite, one of my more fa- my favorite guys to uh, to be out there. Um, and Jesus, some Bellator fighter suffered cardiac arrest at the gym. He's in the hospital right now. 28 years old. Good Lord, man. I think that just happened. Sorry. The news just came out. Took a real turn here. Um, all right. Mark, is he going to watch PFL? Just swing it back the other way? No. No. <laughs> no sorry. Um, Shane, oh, Shane Burgos. I might have to check out Shane Burgos. Maybe after the fact we check yeah, out Shane Burgos. Sure. Um, all right, um, I think we do uh, stuff we like, and uh, we have not yeah. forgotten about uh, the fights we like thing. Um, it's just that been inspired, man. We're not going to force it, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get one next week for sure. No problem. Yeah. Um, all right, Marcus, you should go ahead and leave yeah. us off. Yeah. Um, you know, last week I talked about I picked up this handheld emulation device called the Mio Mini Plus. Really liked it. I, I've been having a ball with it. Um, like I mentioned last week, it basically plays, it can emulate anything from PlayStation 1 back, including arcade games. Um, and there's a lot of devices like this and more powerful. So I was interested in dipping my toe into something a little bit more powerful, be able to play, you know, N64, potentially Dreamcast, PSP games. And then, you know, if you get something with a higher chip set, you can potentially play some GameCube games, Wii, or even PS2 with varying degrees of success. Now, um, I did end up picking a nether handheld. This is from um, Ambernick, who's one of these developers of these. These are all like Chinese developed uh, machines. And the one I ended up picking up was the RG353PS. So this one can actually play up to Dreamcast. And what's what what I'm learning about this versus, versus my MiU Mini Plus is the MiU Mini Plus like fucking ran everything stellar. Um, every PlayStation game I tried, I really didn't have any issues with lag or input delay. Now the, uh, 355PS can play more demanding systems, but like, it's a little hit and miss. Um, there's some Dreamcast games that run really poorly. Um, some N64 games that don't run very well. PSP's kind of all over the place. I've had games crash, so it's a little, it's not quite as stable as my Miu Mini, 
Um, but what I really like about the system is it's much bigger. The, the MiU Mini Plus is like, it's extremely portable. So I think it's a really good system to kind of take on the go. You can just slip it in your pocket super easy. This guy is a bit of a bigger boy. Um, and you know, what I like about it is like, it's bigger, it's more comfortable in my hands. I can play it longer without getting like hand cramps. I did end up, I purchased a little 3d case for my MiU mini so I can kind of like have a more steady grip on it. Um, this one comes with two analog sticks. I do like how the shoulder buttons are laid out a little bit more. I feel like it's a little easier to play fighting games on it. And again, it could play. You know, some of the Dreamcast games run really well on it. Um, Soul Calibur runs well. Uh, Crazy Taxi, Power Stone. I tried Shenmue for a second. That seems to be working okay. And then some games like, How about don't tennis? run at all. Bobby, that was like the first game I tried with Virtual Tennis. It runs like shit. Oh, <laughs> god damn so it. That was like one of the games I was like, god oh, I really it. liked it. So what's weird is I've tried it multiple times. And there's been some times I've tried Virtual Tennis and it's pretty good, but... What's tough with tennis is like if you get any lag, like if you're not running in the direction of that fucking ball, you're, oh, you're fucking fucked. done. <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. finesse game. You need time. But when you know when it was a couple games, it ran well and it was fun. And so like PSP also has like a virtual tennis game, and I think that one ran a little bit better. But yeah, that's kind of the thing that I'm kind of learning is like some of this stuff's hit and miss. Like okay, so PS1 and older on the newer system, that all that stuff runs really well. It is the N64 games and the PSP and the Dreamcast. And I've tried a few Saturn games that didn't run super well. Um, so that's been a little disappointing. It's like, ah, you know, I really wish all this stuff was just like fucking aces. But the ones that do run well are really enjoyable. So it is just going to be kind of a thing of figuring out like, okay, what runs well? I could always mess with different emulators and, and you can mess with frame delay and stuff like that to try to make it run better. I'm not super technical in those aspects but at the end of the day i still really am enjoying the device uh, one it is just more comfortable to play um all these devices you know the screen's not very big it's only like 3.5 inches which is kind of small but like the resolution's really nice the colors really pop and um you know for playing old arcade and it's kind of the thing too is like there's so many you get this thing loaded up with games and there's so many freaking games there's a lot of systems that i never had as a kid like sega cd 32x um you know obviously there's a ton of games on game boy game boy advance this also plays ds games which i've tried a few um so it's just having this really robust library so it's really i mean you can spend a lot of time just circling through all the games you have on it and this one also i should mention there is a open source uh video game engine called um open bor which is open beats of rage this is kind of like, I, Bob, we've talked about it in the past. There's a thing called Mujin, which is basically this open source. You can make fighting games. So people throw in all these crazy fighting game characters. Tom and Hanks. Make up the game. Yeah. And then one of them is Tom Hanks and he just throws movie screens at you and stuff. It's just kind of wild. And this is for beat em ups. So this is like a open source that you can make your own like Final Fight and, and uh, Streets of Rage clones. So like one of the ones they put a bunch of Street Fighter characters in uh, Streets of Rage um so I, I never really got to mess with um i mean and this is an emulator you can get on your computer you can kind of run it on whatever um but it is on this handheld and i've been playing um a lot of games on there and those are kind of a mixed bag because they are fan created um games so some of them are just kind of wonky and kind of shitty to be honest but some of them are really creative and inter interesting and one of the ones i've been playing a bit of that i really like is someone is basically taking 
a lot of the assets from the original Street Fighter, not Street Fighter 2, but the original one, and kind of retelling that story as a beat-em-up. And I think that's been really interesting and fun. Um, and there's a lot of games like that where they do it for like Fatal Fury and World of Heroes. And then some people have done DC and Marvel games based off of that stuff. So yeah, I've, this is a kind of different angle of the video game fandom that I've just learned about in like the last month. And like I said, there's even, you know, the handheld device market has really kind of blown up because there is all these, what I consider to be really interesting Chinese emulation machines that are actually of like really good quality. Because I think for a lot of years, the quality of these machines were really shitty. Um, and yet the operating system they run on is kind of crappy when you get it. But there's a lot of people that, you know, have made their own OS systems. And the, and the OS, OS system I'm running on this is uh, RetroArch. Um, and it does a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, I, I still want to mess with it, put cheats on it and, and stuff like that and add more games that I don't have on there currently. But you look at stuff like really high end power machines like the Steam Deck and there's all these other variants like Odin and Loki that are like, you know, basically really powerful mini computers that can play, you know, current gen, uh, current gen games as well as all these other emulators, too. So it's like I do feel at some point in my life, I will probably end up getting some kind of Steam Deck or variant of that so I can play all the current PC games and play all these emulators, too. Um, it's just a really interesting kind of time to see handhelds kind of were abandoned for such a long time. It was really kind of Nintendo had their DS stuff that was really dominating the market. And obviously, the Switch kind of blew that up. And now we're seeing more PC developers being like, oh, well, let's make these little powerful, mighty Steam Decks and ASUS ROG. I keep hearing about that. That one I haven't really looked into it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting landscape. And right now I'm just dipping my toes in what would be considered like budget um, machines. And I think I think I'll probably cool off now. I have two of them right now. I think I'm OK for a hot sec. Uh, but it's compelling, you know, in a couple years, they're only going to get stronger and better. So we'll see. I mean, I am interested in obviously if I get another one. I want to have it to be able to play GameCube and PS2 games. And then you have to get into all that stuff and it becomes a little bit more technical. But, yeah, that's what I've been uh, digging this week. All right. Um, I think uh, talk about wrestling in a while um, and spent a lot of the weekend, quite frankly, trying to deal with home theater crap. But I did catch the debut episode of AEW's new Saturday television show, um, Collision. Um, This was, oh, this also marked the return of one CM Punk, who, uh, last time we saw him was that infamous press conference where he shit on the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and then they all got in a fight backstage, and then we just didn't see CM Punk for like a year. Uh, A lot of that's because he tore his shoulder, not in the fight in the match um, before the fight. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, putting, just putting this out there, people, these wrestlers are all carnies. They have no reason. I mean, the people are sitting here out here, Mark, trying to be like, oh, have the, have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and CM Punk all like work through their issues. Let me tell you, this is professional wrestling and they have they have no re- incentive to tell you that they did work through those issues when they can keep you guessing and then one day put a few right. together and then you wonder if it's real or not. Sure, Which, yeah, it's part of the gimmick. Yeah. Anytime someone does anything controversial in wrestling and you think it's a sh- it's real, just bust out that Rihanna gif of her going work 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 work. Okay, they're all works. Yeah, it's wrestling. It's a show, baby. It's all show. Okay. Um, 
So um, I enjoyed, uh, I did enjoy this show, appeared to be the show they sent everybody who had previously been angry with the company. They all kind of like for lack of, like lack of TV time because AEW's roster is quite frankly is bloated. So they got a they got a whole new mm-hmm. two hour show. Um, nice to see Andrade back. Big fan of Andrade. Um, nice to see Miro back, formerly Rusev. Um, his AEW character as God's favorite champion was one of my favorite things going about a year and a half ago when he would cut promos talking about how his God has blessed him with a very flexible wife. And has made him champion. And that made me laugh all the time. And they just fuck sure. people up. Um, show was good. It was nice to see CM Punk back. Uh, he's still a big deal, especially in Chicago. Get the impression he's going to get booed anywhere else. Um, also seems like they are going to run a feud between himself and Samoa Joe. Which for okay. the big Ring of Honor nerds out there know that uh, about like fucking like 20 years ago or whatever it was. These dudes mm-hmm. had a series of matches and I didn't. I mean, I would, I'd stop rushing wrestling at this point. I think it was like 05 where they had like these like three or three or four one hour matches. That was just like sure, the fucking yeah. Samoa Joe's awesome, man. The fact that WWE waited that long to sign him and then not use him. And then he's gone. is just, we all had to wait for Samoa Joe to get old and disappointing, but I know it was nice to see him, see CM Punk back, man. It's a TV show. He makes a TV show better for me. That's it. I'm not thinking beyond that. Whether these, these people, you don't have to get away. You don't have to agree with that. You don't have to be friends with everybody you work with. Maybe just, you know, don't throw hands there. It's a reasonable request, if you ask me. There you go. Don't throw hands. Um, and we had a bit of a big moment in the WWE's bloodline story with the Usos super kicking the tribal chief Roman Reigns in his wow. fucking face twice. Well, one time, just one of them kicked him. And then the next time, they kicked him together. And he went down like he got hit with sure. a shotgun. Because let me you, tell you. You got to be united. You know who you sell well for? Your fucking cousin. You want him to look good. Sure. You want that finish to look good. Um, and then Vince McMahon put a weird picture of himself looking like a fucking ghoul on the WWE corporate. Well, website. I mean, he put a he put a picture of himself, and Dude. ghoul is the oh, only thing so he I've can been, pull um, off. So. This is I've been listening. I should have brought let off with this. Um, I've been listening to this podcast. Um, people are, might be familiar with it. Um, I think it's called Behind the Bastards is the name of the podcast. I actually just heard someone talk about this. So what they do is they go. Um, Deep dive, um, deep dive into bad, horrible people in history. Um, and uh, this guy's podcast, it's a podcast, is a lot of Nazis, you know, stuff like sure, that. Sure, it's easy picking. And I, this is the first time I'm listening to this podcast. So I don't know if they do this for all series, but from what I can tell, they don't. But first of all, they had to do a six part series with Vince McMahon, which That's they said they've only ever gone this long with Kissinger. Who was a war crime? We have war criminal right there, um, and they've titled the in, they've titled these episodes Vince McMahon, history's greatest monster. Okay, Jeez, okay. Um, it's, uh, honestly though, I'm on episode four, I think, no five, right. which were somewhere in the uh, WWE's popped in the eighties. We're at oh, okay. So we're, I thought we might be an We're like, then, no, but... we're like a pessimist. We're like, we're at like WrestleMania three, four. We're about to get the steroid trial. I think okay. what we're about to talk about. Um, last episode, we learned about the referee Vince McMahon raped. Um, okay. Possibly. <laughs> okay. Now, now I'm understanding the story better. Um, but they're, they're, they're like, they're, but they're like a lot of it is like he says. Like the part of the reason it's long is that it's kind of wrapped in the history of wrestling because you have to understand. The people listening to this podcast sure. don't necessarily know a lot about wrestling. Like they're they're looking for 
Kissinger, yeah, so and now they they're getting like, body slammed. Yeah, so they have like stuff about like the Von Erich brothers and like the whole territory system and some of the horrible things that happened there and you know whatnot. Sure. And they have one of the people joining him is um, Sean Baby, which people who are old readers of the website cracked know Sean Baby. Dude, I know Sean Baby from EGM. Yeah, and he's like famously he the one stuff. who he wrote that line about Overeem, who looks like Marvel. Was it Marvel Studios? Uh, was it genetically? I it was Rogan that said that. No, he, well, he, Rogan got it from him. He, mar- he okay. genetically engineer, engineered someone to fuck your girlfriend or something like that, or like a superhero okay. to fuck that your girlfriend. Seem more like his yeah. style. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Sean Baby's on there and stuff. But they're telling Vince is That's a psycho- Vince is a socio- sociopath. Just straight up. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. Just, I think most of these people who get will accumulate this much wealth have something wrong have with them. To, screw yeah. Yeah. But yep. his whole like growing up in a trailer park and not knowing his actual dad for the longest time and. He didn't even know Vince Sr. until, like, he was 13. When right. He just lived in a trailer park. Anyway, it's a really well-done podcast, man. I, I'm interested enough to check out some of their other episodes. Um, and it's, I don't know if they're always, like, they try to be, couch some humor around everything because it, I think they have to because given no, the No, I think with matter, Sean Baby for sure. Oh, yeah. I, you're I talking about, like, horrible things. people. It's not just, you know. Let's try to take some jokes in the middle about why I'm so crazy. Yeah, it so can't like, all be downer because then it's yeah. just depressing. Yeah, but like there's some stories about Vincent here, Mark, that like I like I think I know a lot about him. And I knew about the referees thing. Like I know there was like a lawsuit and all that stuff. But like mm-hmm. there's like some other stuff about his like childhood. And you're just like, man, just a crazy person. Yeah. Just a crazy person. Yeah. You know, and like, man, just I like this part about like him like just cheating on Linda from day one. And all of his friends being like, mm. Vince, you realize yeah, she's no so much better than you. And you should not fuck this up. <laughs> he tried. Anyway, uh, it's a really good podcast. Behind the Bastards. It is. I, I keep wanting to say the host's name. And I'm not remembering it. Um, but Robert Stone, I think, is his name. It's really good. Mm. Anyway. Um, that's uh, That was it. We got anything else this week, Marcus? No, we're good. All right, we're going to be back next week where we are going to preview Sean Strickland versus Abus Magomedov, which, who the fuck's Abus Ma- Mark, who the fuck is that? Uh, Mark, did we miss something? Straight up. One second. We got to stop for a second. This guy's going to main event a UFC pay-per-view. Does he not have a Wikipedia page? I don't. I'm not familiar. Well, we're gonna find out more next week when we go on ShareDog and see wait, what he's done. Hold, hold up. This guy's got a main event at UFC pay per view. Doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Has that ever happened? I mean, UFC. Well, event, not a pay per view. UFC yeah. event. Has that ever Maybe? happened? I don't Short know. We'd have li- to dig through the annals. I mean, <laughs> Patrick Cote did have a Wikipedia page when he fought Tito well, Ortiz. No, the different. I era. think it might be a better question, Dad. Just, uh, just so I know, just real quick, we're ending the show. Don't worry, folks. You know, we said we're gonna end it. I just want to know how big of a favorite is Sean Strickland? Was this late notice? Like it had to be, right? Like whoa. I'm not seeing a cancellation, so I don't know. Okay. I don't know about this. I don't know. Is what it is, baby. I can't even find. We roll with the punches. Um, We'll be back next week to make. We have a whole week for Mark and I to figure out who Abu Magomedov is. So we'll do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Definitely not the 20 minutes before the podcast start. All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Mike will be back next week. Um, telling you about whatever whatever day it was, which, you know, we lucked out. It was, a, it was a goddamn holiday. We could point that out this time. Yeah. And, you know, big orange cat or fat orange cat. Yeah. Celebrate Loves that. lasagna, hate Mondays. Exactly. Got it. 
All right, guys. Thanks for listening. I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. Peace out. See ya. Don't don't know a lot about his deal. I remember lots of cartoon episodes with the farm animals. I was like, I don't care about these farm animals. We'll get back to go. The whole part of the show that no one wanted. I didn't get it. True. Yeah, I'm with you. Right, I just want more this Garfield. This is why we need Patreon after hours Garfield talk. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace out. See ya.